Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a bonus episode of Conspiranormal. We're starting to do this now. Um, in the past, we have had various listeners on the show, and I have usually appended those to the main show, and usually they've ended up being like about two hours to two hour and 30 minute monstrosities. So I really wanted to try to do like bonus episodes, and you guys may have noticed that we may have that we've done this twice now and this is just something that i think that the the kind of the listener segments could uh, kind of deserve their own little show um so we have on a listener we have on our friend jules hansen and uh welcome jules welcome to good paranormal i know that you're a listener and i, I what i'm curious about right at the moment is how you found this show well, uh, a, uh, an acquaintance or a friend of mine was, was on the show. Um, well, it was last year sometime and he'd mentioned it and, uh, I listened to, to the, uh, the episode and I thought, oh my gosh, this kind of stuff exists. Of course it does. Um, and I started listening to it and it's like, okay. I am not a researcher into these kind of things. I do not read books on these kind of things. And I really, really want to share some of my experiences before they start getting, um, before I start learning more about stuff from the outside. Because I don't want somebody to say, oh, he got that idea from wherever. It's like, no, no, no. I, I didn't, I haven't read books on this. I, I want to share it because these are this is original stuff ha- that happened to me, yeah. Um, and I'm not taking it as some influence from some outside 
whatever the case may be. So, um, and I believe you're, you're referring to when we had Ren Collier and we had, um, I think his name was Matt Ashley, who was a friend of yep. Ren's that uh, is also goes to the OTO Lodge there with him. And we had them on talking about uh, Russian cosmism. Right. Yeah. Uh, I believe that was last year. So, so, so you're friends with Matt. You know him. Yeah, I do. Um, but uh, I don't know anything about the OTO Lodge or anything anything of that sort I, I don't i don't even know what that is cool, cool. gotcha gotcha yeah, yeah no problem yeah yeah so let me throw something out there and see how it resonates because i think that a lot of this stuff once you hear it it kind of falls between no duh and no shit it's like oh my gosh of course it should work that way um and the first thing is that um the brain does not actually store information, not in the long term. All right. It stores it stores it stores like short term memory and stuff like that. But but we all have a spirit that inhabits our bodies. That is the recording medium, and it has an infinite capacity, and it records everything, all the time. Uh, everything that we see, hear, everything that we experience is fully recorded by the spirit. And now recall, I mean, that that's what they talk about when they say that everybody has a photographic memory. It's just that we have difficult time recalling everything. Recalling data and information does happen through the brain. In fact, um, our brain recalls it. We, we our brain is only able to recall information that was recorded through it. Best analogy I can give is like on a on a server or a hard drive. If you uh, if you you know I've got a storage network, you know it has petabytes of disk space. But I only need to allocate, let's say, 100 gigs to my server that I'm standing up on this virtual machine. So I can reach into this pool of disk space and I can allocate the disk space that I need and I can assign it to that server and bring my server up. And as far as my server is concerned, its world exists within that 100 gigs of space. It doesn't know about the petabytes that exist beyond um, beyond it within the storage network yes it 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 can read and write um and uh it can read write data to that um segment um and it but it can only read that which it has written um and that's kind of like how when our spirits our spirits know vast amounts of you know vast amounts of our history throughout all eternity our spirits are eternal and when they inhabit this body suddenly we have amnesia of everything else that we've that has happened before us everything that happened before we got here and at that point 
when your spirit's in your body, you can only recall that which is written to your spiritual hard drive through your physical senses. So that kind of levels the playing field for everybody and giving everybody amnesia to start off kind of on a level playing field when we're born. Now, our spirits being eternal are not subject to time, not in the same way that we are subject to time in our physical body. Um, and when you have a, when you have a near-death experience, um, a lot of people say that their life flashes before their eyes. Well, what's happening there, and that's what happened to me, was that when your spirit is in the process of leaving your body, your consciousness, your, your conscious awareness, instantaneously becomes aware of all the information that your spirit has recorded throughout your entire life because you're transitioning from the physical world where time is applicable over to the spirit world where time is a malleable construct. And as you're leaving and moving into the eternal realm, you instantly become aware of everything that your spirit has recorded throughout your entire body, uh, excuse me, throughout your entire life. Um, and as you become aware of all of this all at once, that is the act of your life flashing before your eyes. This is the, this is the concept of the life review, correct? That you're, well, that you're kind of talking about? Yes. Now, typically, I, my understanding is that if you are consciously aware and awake when you are making that transition... When, when you have that moment of, uh, let's say, impact, when you are the sudden realization of, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die, and a moment of, you know, it kind of had a, a shock or a moment of panic, that's usually when you have that your entire life flash before your eyes. Now, I know that others have had a life review kind of as a portion of a near-death experience, but when it comes as a shock, it's like you're, you're, you are consciously awake and let's say, you know, car accident or whatever, something major and catastrophic happens and uh, the life flashes before your eyes kind of as your spirit is leaving the body. And so That's well, and furthermore, once the spirit has left the body, you can start to regain an awareness of all of the other areas of knowledge that you have that you have been restricted from accessing through your, you know, through the physical body, this physical veil, the veil of that knowledge is the body itself. And not only that, the physical mechanism that is your brain. Yes. Yeah. 
specifically, yeah, because your spirit cannot regurgitate information out that it was it was not part of recording. So that's how the recollection through the brain and, and the the neurotransmitters and the you know and all of the synapses and everything that's going on in the brain. But I was uh, at Emory University. They were doing um, functional MRIs on people's brain, and they were mapping uh, oxygen uh, consumption with these fMRIs. And they could actually see somebody retrieving a thought, and they could see the neural impulses traveling along. And it's like, you know, they're looking at the cabling, and they're they're looking at they're looking at these wires, you know, the, the neurons and the, all the brain's wiring and going, my gosh, how does this store information? And it's like, gosh, you fools, you're looking at the wire. You know, it's like you're looking at a hard right. drive cable and asking well, all this <laughs> data goes back and forth on this hard drive cable. Yes. How does that hard drive cable store all that data? And it's like, you fools, if you just out acknowledge the existence of a hard drive. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I so, yeah, I, I, I absolutely hear you. We are talking about a mechanism. We are not talking about the force that's behind it. Yeah, yeah. So, when you have had that out of body body experience, different people have different experiences, and I think that it's largely governed by what their belief is beforehand. Because what your belief is really kind of dictates what you're going to see. Because I think to a person, whatever they see, they're not surprised by it. Um, in fact, they're, they feel calm about it. Um, they feel like everything's okay. Um, now I'm sure there's others that have had other experiences, but like I said, I've not done a whole lot of reading or research on this, um, outside of my own experiences, but, uh, I think that your experience when you die kind of is a function of what your core beliefs are to begin with. Okay. I mean, if you, you know, so, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've heard, you know, very similar things from a lot of people for a long time. What, a, what was your particular experience and, and what was your frame of reference that impacted how, how you saw what happened? Well, the specifics of my experience, I don't like to go into. Okay, that's fine. Because a lot of people have, I've kind of mentioned it to some people, and I just, I, uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't feel comfortable getting into those specifics, but more along the lines of lessons learned. Yeah. You know, I've learned that there is an ultimate truth out there. I mean, there is a 
God, and all truth points to him. And the more truth you can identify, the more accurate, you know, it's like the the more truths you can identify and the better your understanding of who that original creator is. Now, I have to say that uh, to a significant, uh, you know, to a large degree, a lot of these things, just because they're true, does not necessarily mean that they're relevant. Um, but that, uh, you know, because, you know, we've all been, you know, created and everything's been created to have agency and every one of us can do whatever it is that we want to do, whatever makes us happy. So, so uh, just, just to clarify, you did have, you had a near death experience, correct? Yeah. Two. That right? is correct. Two, two near, yes. two near death experiences. Okay. One of them happened when I was a toddler. Okay. And, uh, and you physically yeah, remember it. That's interesting. Yep. And really the, um, I think that when it happened, it kind of made this veil that exists between the physical and spiritual world a little bit thinner. I think that I was able to pull information across from the other side um, because I just kind of look at things and go, oh, I know how that works. And the thing is, is that I could be wrong. I could be fooling myself. Um, and I admit that. But that's kind of why I wanted to. You think this was a continuing. Know, reach out and touch base. Yeah. You think this had a continuing impact on your life. And would you say that it expanded your, your consciousness? Um, I guess, yeah, I suppose that's a fair way of putting it. Um, I gained an awareness of, of, I would say data that was stored outside of my primary partition, let's say, you know, where, you know, this, this, this segment of my spirit and brain that I'm recording all this data to in the life, like we all are. Um, I kind of gained an awareness of other information stored. And um, I had, I've had some pretty interesting experiences, some of which I don't even understand. But uh, I don't know. So that gave you access to what some may call a cosmic consciousness or something like that. Like a a non-local storage, like you referred to, of infinite space, infinite information that you could have at least a glimpse into. Almost like a Akashic Records kind of thing, uh, for lack of a better term, yeah. Well... 
my perception of it is that, I mean, our spirit, the, the spirit that inhabits our bodies is eternal, which means that we have always existed and always and forever will exist, which in turn means that we exist outside of space and time, which then means that we can move through space and time interdimensionally as in our in our spirit form so before we came before we were born into this body um we had each of us gained some levels of knowledge about things um and all of us by nature by you know by the nature of this physical veil this body um none of us have are able to recall any of that information so i think from my perspective it seems like i have gained access or an awareness to that information right um but as far as a you know a, a cosmic awareness i'm not i'm not sure that uh i don't know the phrase doesn't really resonate with me that's okay i mean it's just semantics but it seems like it's a more what you experienced was the more a more western conception as in you still felt a survival of some kind of uh of some kind of ego of some kind of that you were a singular thing. There was not a, a disillusion of the ego into some greater consciousness. You were still an individual thing. Am I correct with that? Oh, absolutely. Okay. And I and I can tell you this, um, that I'll tell you this with absolute certitude, that there's no such thing as a dead atheist. I mean, because yeah. <laughs> when you die and you continue to exist it's like well <laughs> you want to rethink maybe you should reconsider that notion because <laughs> uh, there it's that and as you become aware of everything that has happened before you know and i mean yeah there there's there's no such thing as a dead atheist i can say that with absolute certainty i'm going to ask you this so you've had these these two near-death experiences. Have you had any experiences that have to deal with ghostly phenomenon or even with um, the so-called alien abduction phenomenon? Have you had any kind of um, experiences like that yourself? Uh, no. Well, okay. Yes and no. Okay. Um, with ghosts or that type of phenomenon yes absolutely yes um but as far as abduction um no or not, just not contact with something that you may see as like the other essentially Like, as far as other like alien or or like some kind of entity or just some kind of intelligence that's independent of yourself. Well, I mean, I know that we are 
surrounded by the spirits of people that came before us. I would not call that ghosts or hauntings or anything like that, but more of um, our ancestors. It seems they're here, or they 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 stick around to to try and help us out um, and help us in life. Um, it's kind of like raising their grandkids or great grandkids. They're not obligated to. Um, but they can, if they choose to do so, do those things. Um, but again, I, I wouldn't consider that a, a, a haunting or anything of that sort, but yes, I, I did have an absolutely bizarre experience, uh, one time coming, you know, driving back home, traveling, uh, I'd driven down south um, for an event that, you know, we went to on, I took my whole family with us on short notice. And we went to this event and it was kind of a marathon run, uh, you know, 12 hours away. And drove down overnight, got there in the morning, and I was just exhausted and then got a, you know, got barely any sleep and then basically started driving back. And as we're driving back, we're going through Kansas city, Missouri. And I have a bunch of, you know, I have young kids at the time. And, uh, this is, I think 2013 or 2014. It was 2014. And Yes. Well, yeah, of course it was 2014. It was in October of 14. Um, and my wife and I, we wanted to get a hotel, but we wanted to get a hotel with a door separating the two rooms so that we could have, you know, we could be in one room and we could put all the kids in the other room. Uh, but not share the same room. Um, and so we're calling, uh, we're calling hotels and begging them not to transfer us to their booking because booking could never answer the question if they have rooms that are adjoined. And, uh, we finally get to, uh, uh this hotel, um, in, uh, Kansas city. I think it was on the Kansas side of, uh, Kansas um, and it was a, uh, convention center type place, but it was just run down. I mean, this thing was probably built in the fifties and sixties. And, um, I mean, it was getting to be about 11 o'clock at night. I was just so exhausted. There was no way I was going to be able to drive through the night that, and the kids got sick on the road and kind of threw up in their car seats. And it, I mean, it was just a, it was a perfect storm of just parenting good times oh yeah (laughs) and so we pull into this hotel and walk in and it was decorated right out of the 1970s i mean this place was just old and depressed and uh i was like oh my gosh what have we got here and uh 
they booked us, you know, they said, yes, we do have rooms that are adjoining. And then they said, oh, shoot. Oh, man. And I'm like, what? And they're like, well, we're going to have to put you on the second floor. Um, uh, but we only have king suites that are on that level. And so I was like, whatever, I'll pay for it. I don't care. <laughs> I, yeah. need to, I need to get into the laundry, you know. And uh, and so I uh, we get to you know we get to the room and the room is just a mess. I mean it's just it's like an oversized stuffed purple chair and a massive oversized lamp in the corner that it was just you know literally straight out of the seventies uh, uh, decorations and it was just. I mean, it smelled musty, and it was like, I don't care. It's, you know, so we put the kids to bed, and then I started cleaning out the car and got everything and went to the went to the uh, laundry. Well, in order to get to the laundry, uh, you had to pass through the exercise room. So you have to go up a few steps. So, so on the second floor, I had to go up about six steps and scan my card to open up the exercise room. As soon as I open up the room, it goes from the musty old, you know, air smell of the of, of the hotel. And I open up the door, and I'm hit with sixty years worth of sweat. I mean, in this room, it was just, it was body odor. It was like, oh my gosh! I mean, this is just an olfactory experience. And uh, and there's the TV on on the wall that is just blaring CNN at full volume and treadmills and it's like but I'm walking through this little exercise room with mirrors on the walls um, and kind of mirrored ceiling and but you know and kind of dimly lit but this this laundry room was all white linoleum and very brightly lit and as I'm walking towards it I smell you know the the the, set, the smell profile changes to fresh laundry detergent and just you know it's just a nice clean smell and it's brightly lit and I'm like this is this place is just weird and so I load the stuff into the lawn, uh, the washing machine and I notice this door in the corner and I'm like uh, you know I kind of look at it and I'm looking at it and. I wonder where this goes and it's locked. And so, all right, I don't care. I check it out. And then I go back to the, you know, the, the laundry started. And uh, when it came time to switch it to the dryer, I, I went back to the room and I was like, okay, this door is just, it's, I got to find out. And I looked at the lock and it was just a privacy lock. It didn't, you know, it wasn't a security, you know, real security lock. So I just took my hotel room key and I just kind of slid it into the privacy lock, you know, just you know, like the, it, it was keyed, but it just had a, you know, lock on it like you'd see on your bathroom door. So I just popped the door open and I opened the door and immediately to my right is this old rusted out drinking fountain and this this trail of hardened water leading to this drain and i'm looking at it and it's like this thing must have failed back in the 80s <laughs> and just leaked for years and years and years and it's like i but i i 
just kind of take note of it, not, not really looking at it directly, but just kind of I'm aware of it. And it's like, okay, I'm looking for a light switch. And I'm looking, you know, just kind of poking my head in. And I looking for a light switch. There's no light switch. But then I realize this room is too bright. There's too much light in this room for this. And I, I looked up at the ceiling and all the lights had burnt, burnt out. But the light in the far corner of this room was dimly lit and it was just a fluorescent bulb that was just and it was like just giving off a barely faint glow my eyes adjusted to the light and i could see lockers on the far wall i could see that this is a this is a showering room or this is a this is a uh you know a, a restroom changing room you know locker room and I'm kind of squinting in the in the darkness. My eyes adjust, and I'm just kind of taking this in. It's like, oh my gosh, this is a nightmare room. And it's like I should be scared, but I'm not scared at all. I'm curious, and I see that still there's too much light in this room. And I noticed that there was kind of like a an orange glow kind of in the middle of the room, but I couldn't quite tell if it was like, you know, your eyes adjusting to the darkness. If you've been looking at a bright light and you look at, you know, you look away, you kind of see the, 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 uh, I don't know, the halo or the, the, the optical, you know, the, the spots that you see, you know, once your eyes have been kind of looking at something bright and switching to, a dark light. Usually it's green, but this is orange. And I remember walking up to it to like get a closer look at it. And then the next thing I remember, I'm standing outside of the room, the door's closed and the dryer is dry. And it's like, I didn't think a whole lot of it. Um, I was like, I just immediately reverted to, Oh, I need to, I need to get the clothes out that have dried and take it back to the room. And uh, my wife said, oh, the clothes are dry already? And I'm like, yeah, I guess. And uh, so it was time to just go to sleep. And That's almost like a missing time kind and, of thing. Well, not only was it missing time, but it wasn't missing time because the clothes were dry and clean um but um i wasn't gone for any great length of time because when i came back my wife was surprised that they were dry already i was like now well, maybe it should be, you know maybe it was a fast dryer i didn't think a whole lot of it but it was we were exhausted it was now like coming up on one o'clock in the morning and um i uh, actually it was about midnight if i recall and i just laid down and was out cold uh -huh. instantly uh -huh. yeah and then as i'm laying there dead asleep I transition from sleep state 
to being awake. It was a very smooth transition. And I was lying there wide awake with my eyes closed. And I heard a tink and the light in the corner turned on. The big oversized lamp was way over on the other side of the room. It just turned itself on. And I looked at the clock and it was right at one o'clock on the hour. Um, actually thinking back on it, it, it was, I went to bed at one, this was right at two o'clock, straight o'clock, just straight up two o'clock on the hour. And I've actually, I'm having a difficult time recalling all this because I, um, I've never actually told this story to anybody before. Um, so this is my first time telling it. So I'm trying to recall the specific details. But, sure, I understand. Uh, so anyway, I mean, it's been five years, right? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I um, anyway, right at two o'clock, the light turned on. I mean, I heard the click of the lamp, and the light came on, and I was like, "What the heck?" And I got up and I turned the light off, and I wasn't. Scared by it, I was just like, you know, kind of curious, and so I would lay back down and went to sleep. And then, once again, and I exactly one hour later, I transitioned from dead asleep to wide awake, lying there in bed, and the lamp went tink, and the light came on. I'm like what is going on? And this is 3 a.m. I went over and I turned off the light and this time I unplugged it. And um, now, in, you know, in the, in the doors that separate the two rooms, um, right in front of the door, we had, a, we had a toddler that was sleeping in a little, it was like a little toddler tent you know, that she couldn't get out of, you know, and wander, you know, toddle away from. Um, but I had her little sleeping bag inside of it, and she could just, she loved it. She loved sleeping in it. Um, and we'd set that right in front of the doorway, but you know, between the two doors to the, you know, to the rooms. And uh, <laughs> so she was asleep in her tent, and uh, um I mentioned this, of course, because after I, you know, at three o'clock when the light turned on a second time, I went over and turned it off and I unplugged it. And then I laid back down again and instantly fell asleep. And the, and at 4 a.m., once again, on the hour, I transitioned from dead asleep to awake with my eyes closed. And I hear the lamp go tink, but of course this time it doesn't turn on because it's unplugged. <laughs> and wow. I heard I heard it go tink, and then with my eyes closed, I felt something run from the lamp through the bed, through me, towards the door between the rooms. And at that moment, my baby, who was asleep, sound asleep, screamed out in her sleep as it was running towards her and then it 
disappeared. It was like, okay, what the hell's going on? I was like freaked out by that. But actually, you know what? To be honest with you, I wasn't freaked out by it. I was totally cool with it. It was like, and I just kind of went, would you leave us alone? You know, and and at that point, nothing else happened. But I did have an interesting dream that I could recall in the morning, but I didn't recall it that night. And that was that when I had went into that room and touched the orange glow, or as I approached it, I instantly transitioned into this realm, and it was it's difficult to describe. I was, I was kind of standing there, but there was nothing to be standing on. I was present in this orange glow. Uh, not uh, excuse me. I was standing in a, in this blue glow, this this blue aura, and somebody else was standing next to me. And uh, this person looked at me, and and called me by name, "Hey, Jules," and I said, "Hey, what's up?" And he looked at me and said, "What are you doing here? You're 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 awake. You can't be here and be awake. What what are you doing?" And I was like, "What? I oh shoot!" And it's like, uh, and it was kind of like this panic, and that's when things went back, and it was like, "Oh my gosh, I have to die," or I I don't know, I, I like I've done something wrong. But then that's when I kind of woke up and found myself standing there in front of the dryer, which had completed drying. And I was like, but I, I didn't recall that until the next morning when I was thinking back on that, what I'd termed the nightmare room. And I'll tell you, and I, I shared this information with one other person who's familiar with hauntings. Uh, or things like supernatural stuff. And they said, you know, people that are experiencing paranormal activities, they're not in the moment. They're not scared by it. Yes. And I said, yeah, that is absolutely correct. They are. I was absolutely not scared. If anything, I was curious, but I was more tired than anything. Um, but I wasn't, I was not scared at all ever at any time. Um, I just felt like something was going on there. And, but I felt this attraction. I wanted to go back to that place. Um, and it's like, and this person I spoke with said, yes, that's, that's another uh, component to these supernatural events is that you feel drawn to these things. They're not scary. They're just kind of, they're curious. They're curious events that take place that are that in, the, in the moment. They're not scary, but but uh, but you are you feel an it, 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 an attraction to those things. And I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. I want to go back, and I did go back a year later, and I opened up the nightmare room, and they'd cleaned everything up. Everything was clean. the the water The water fountain had been put back together. The lime had been cleaned off this floor. I mean, they had thrown in their dead exercise equipment, and it was just kind of thrown in there haphazardly. Um, that was all gone, or it was straightened up. 
and new light bulbs had been installed. But what was interesting is that it was like, okay, I've got to record this nightmare room. And I took out my phone and, and, uh, I walked into this, you know, I walked into the hotel and, and, um, I walked in and I, uh, it was pretty much exactly one year later. Um, I took out my phone and started recording, but just as I went to open the door, my phone locked up and it went to a white screen and rebooted. I was like, what? <laughs> and so when it booted back up, I was like waiting for my phone to boot up so I could open up the door. So I was like, no, man, I got to get this reveal. <laughs> and when I opened it up, it was just a normal, it, it had been all cleaned up. It was nothing like it was previously. It was no longer the nightmare room, which is, I was disappointed. Hmm. Uh, so just to be straight, so you, you went into this laundry room, this nightmare room, as you describe it, and then you had the experience inside the, the actual motel room that you were staying in. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yes. Yeah. It was, I, I, after I left the nightmare room with the dried laundry, I went back to the, back to the hotel room and, uh, there is, there is a, there is a common motif that I have found out, um, through, through listening to other shows and, and guests that I have interviewed. I don't know if you've heard, um, our interview with Mike Cleland, but he talks about an incident where he woke up one night and he saw these three figures that he later described as probably the precursor to an alien abduction, um, that he saw these three figures outside of his window and he promptly fell asleep. Um, and no fear involved in the experience. I've had a similar experience in my life was as a child where that exact same thing happened to me. So this is, this is a very common aspect to some of this phenomenon is a, this you roll back over, you fall asleep and B almost as like this, this no fear phenomenon. Um, I am curious, did this happen after your second near death experience or before? Yes. Okay, yeah, so this exactly. happened after, yeah, and and I, I I do think the people that have the near death experience will also be able to experience these other things more easily than someone that has not. Oh, that seems absolutely. to be that seems to be another commonality between the two. I'm curious since yeah. we're since we're talking about. Um, the concept of the soul, the soul being eternal. Do you have any kind of memories of being in another life? Do you have anything like that 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 that, that you that you've experienced? No, but I think my understanding of that is that before we are born and receive a body of our own, you know, the, the pre-mortal existence, I guess I could call it, um, that we have an opportunity to work with and interact with the events and the things taking place on this world so that you know, when we do come here, a lot of things feel familiar to us. 
Um, and in fact, I have this pet theory that in the education that we had um, prior to, I think, earning our opportunity to come here, um, that a lot of us helped to uh, create an animal or come up with something and fit it into the food chain as part of like our, our you know, our biology class or you know just it's like okay come up with an animal fit it into the food chain and uh you know and let's see how it goes and you know somebody created the platypus and uh somebody you know somebody created the mosquito i'd like to find out who that is um (laughs) who's responsible for that one right (laughs) but yeah it kind of seems like yeah it, it seems like but you know each one of us has had a some type of role in the creation of things on this earth not not the big creation but like at the at the macro level that it's like somebody comes up with a concept and implements it and you know and they they're brought into existence it seems like um and uh i don't know i like i said i i I have nothing to support this other than it's, it, it's, I would almost call it a recollection that came to me that, that, you know, somebody had a role to play in this kind of like, you know, not to diminish any grand creator, um, you know, but, but even then the, the act of creation and the, the, the word creation in the Bible um, <clears throat> is reserved for Elohim and everything that took place after he created was done. It was forming things and just taking what he had created and just forming it into different things and changing things around. And I think that, you know, not maybe not all of us, but very many of us, um, if we were interested and wanted to, could have had a, you know, you know, had a participation in that activity in some smaller way. And it kind of, I don't know, it's like just to just to give us maybe a sense of stewardship over all of this that we have to a certain extent, I kind of think, but, uh, I mean, it, it's, uh, I almost like we create as spirits, this reality, this physical reality. Is that kind of where you're, you're 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 going with that well in some small way we we help to create this this physical reality yes our attitude does determine our altitude i mean if if you know a lot of the new age thinking um there is truth to it because it works um but how that truth integrates into the great you know overall truth overarching truth Yes, we are creators. We are born 
and we are put on this earth to create. We are the only ones that, you know, we are the only species that have um, an eternal spirit body that exists after this death. Uh, none of the animals do, to my knowledge. Um, and we, um, yeah, uh, kind of to, to circle back to your question about like previous lives. I think that many of the experiences of previous lives comes from from our participation or our experiencing of things that took place on this earth prior to us coming here. And so, you know, if people went back and got to watch, you know, King Tut or something like that, they could, you know, they could see those events that took place. But then, you know, in this life, they might interpret that as having had those experiences firsthand. Um, that's, that's kind of my understanding of it. Um, well, that's, that's how I kind of see those kind of activities or that, you know, those kinds of things. That's a very interesting idea. Cause you know, I do see a lot of weird insects that I don't know where they come from. Yeah. It's like, all right, who created this? I mean, God, did you create that? And it's like, <laughs> I didn't create that. <laughs> That's not me. <laughs> See something new every day, and I'm like, where, where did the, like, I don't know where this came from. Like, I haven't seen this before. It's kind yeah. of freaking me out. So we, yeah, we would have a demiurge function. Then. Yes, like we would. Yeah, it, it almost feels like everyone's. Deputized by a larger intelligence. Yeah, like, like a Gnosticism kind of matrix kind of idea. Yeah. Well, what it is, is it's. It's really not that mysterious, again, from my understanding of it. Um, my, well, my understanding is that way back before we were even spirits, before we had these spirit bodies, um, we, we existed as, I'll just call it a naked intelligence. We were, we, you know, there's there's a component that acts and a component that is acted upon and the intelligence is what our very core existence um that has always existed but when you exist outside of space and time you can exist for a very very long time with nothing happening and you know you don't notice anything because again there's no there's no time but what all right so there's there's very little that we know about intelligence other that these are these intelligences other than they are like light and that we can kind of think and act on our own and, and kind of have an awareness of self um, but the other component, um, I believe it's what we currently refer to as dark matter or this little bits of matter or element, 
And these infinitesimally small pieces of matter that have negative mass, where they kind of repel each other away, kind of to keep a distance, and so they don't kind of gravitate towards one another. But um, that these little bits of element are capacitated to receive intelligence. And what that means is that my understanding is that in the pre-existence, I mean, in the way, way, way back, that God, the, the, the first God, the creator, the father God, God the father, took and sorted the intelligences from least to greatest, and then brought the, I mean, commanded that this intelligence and this, this bit of element, uh, that, that the element is capacitated to receive intelligence. And so he made that happen by combining the intelligence with his bit of element. And then once you've got those things combined together, it can act on its own. It can do things. It can, you can, and God, because that's his creation, can say, okay, bring a few more in. And he gives everything a pattern. And he uh, gets the whole thing spinning and says, okay, and, and you've, got an, you've got an atom, a, a hydrogen atom. And it's, I don't know, maybe a million bits of, element and intelligence all in that little atom uh, but he can talk to it he can tell it to do things and it will obey and then if you know but that act of getting the element into the intelligence that is the very act of creation and that act is reserved for Elohim because everything after that is just forming things that, you know, when, you know, you bring in another molecule or two of oxygen and you've got water and, uh, you know, but Jesus said, I don't want water. I want wine, a high grade of wine, please. And then it, and it knew what to do and it listened to him because he was there. I mean, from the beginning, from the very beginning of the creation period. He was there, and it knows him, and it honors him, and it and it obeys. And so, when Jesus performed the miracles of of healing a bro, you know the the blind man, or you know telling the cripple to take up his bed and walk, that he was saying to those little bits of element and intelligence, "Hey, kids, get in your places, you know, shape up." And they listen and they obey. And I think that when he, he spat into the mud and put the mud in the man's eyes, personally, I yeah. think that that was because the man did not have eyeballs and he needed some more elements in that area. So it's like, all right, here's some mud, pack it in your eyes, now go wash in the river. And it's like, because there needed to be more elements there in order to turn into eyeballs and eyelids and the socket and whatever else was missing. And so, you know, because 
through his power and who he was, he could command everything. And I think that prior to us, you know, coming here, that we had an opportunity, not ne- not necessarily to create on our own, but it kind of seems like that we had a role, like you know, hey, let's let's create something, fit it into the food chain, and uh, and you know, let's see how it goes, and and uh, that was kind of part of the learning process prior prior to our, us coming here, it seems. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that we have a very long eternal history that, again, we're not allowed to know about in our, you know, once we get a physical body, it's like all of that is forgotten. You know, we're not allowed to know that stuff. In fact, um, you know, I, uh, I, I heard an interview of, um, I think her name's Elizabeth Dyson, the daughter of the, the billionaire Dyson, you know, the vacuum Dyson. Uh-huh. And I heard an interview of her once saying that she would love to go up into outer space and experience weightless weightlessness until, you know, long enough until she was tired of it. And I thought, oh, that's a perfect description. How awesome that is. To, I mean, it's it's something that's very nonspecific, but it's a yet personally specific amount of time. I, I would like to go out and experience weightlessness until I'm until I'm done with it. You know, I can't tell you how long it's going to be, but I will know when I'm done, and I'll tell you. You know, <laughs> I thought that's that's awesome. You know, uh, it and uh, oh darn it, darn it, I uh, forget where I was going in, well, with that point. One observation that I would probably make here is that you know we don't know on the quote-unquote other side, we don't know what time means. We don't know what uh, it could be a couple hours, it could be an eternity. We don't know. So any anything yeah. could happen within that period of time. I, I, I think I may see where you're going with that. Yeah. Well, yeah, when you when you when your turn is, it seems like when your turn is coming up for you to come and have this earthly experience, it seems like that as, as you start participating in this, the, the physical world's linear timeline, um, that you kind of come into sync with it and you start experiencing the, pa- you start, you start experiencing the passage of time. And then when you die, it seems like that um, the the passage of time starts slipping away from you. It's like uh, you know losing your grasp on a rotating object, or you know, it's like it, it's like it starts. It's like it starts. It keeps going on, and you just kind of drift away, and your participation. It's like you're done. And it seems like it is also, my understanding, when you die, um, if you pass into the light, um, it is different. 
than if you choose not to and remain on the earth, earthbound. It seems like if you're stuck on the earth, time really just comes to a stop for you. You don't experience anything new. You're just kind of stuck there, it seems. Um, but if you pass into the light, you continue on. I mean, you, you continue on with whatever it is that you're supposed to do. Um, and that, it seems, also includes learning and being able to come back and help your, you know, members of your family, you know, your your children or your grandchildren or great grandchildren, or you know, your those that came after you. You get to come back and deliver, well, blessings or advice or other things as as it may be, and honestly, I think that when as I've been listening and I've been learning about like Hecate and other uh, other entities, it seems like if you have an awareness of those and you die and you choose not to go into the light, that it seems like you can go to those and have a different experience. And what that is, I'll be honest with you, I have no idea. I don't know. It seems like there's other... It seems like there's other avenues that you can go down. And if you go down that, it seems like also then you have the ability to come back and help or, you know, work with other, work with people. Um, And it seems like they are able to come back and help in ways that, um, are not entirely good, let's say, like like political families that are multi-generational politics. I've seen that, you know, that they have their family members coming and giving them advice, and it's not it's not what you know anyone would consider good. It kind of seems like they're leading them. You know, on the on the Christian terminology, they're leading them astray or down the down the wrong path. But yet, it seems like there's this multi generational path that you know prior generations are there helping them. Yeah. And I was I was kind of perplexed as to how that could happen until I heard of the term Hecate. And again, I'm not saying that that is it. But it seems like that's the path that they have to know about to take once they die. Um, and then they can circumvent, you know, either being stuck here on Earth or going into the light. There's a there's a different path for them, it's, it seems to be. Um, but, I mean, for the most part, um, I've, I've seen many times... Where, where, you know, because, because when we need things in life, they're often delivered to us by family members that came before us. Um, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that 
it didn't come from a god. You know, it's, I, I use the analogy of Amazon.com. It's like if I order something from Amazon and it arrives at my doorstep, does it matter to me if it was delivered by USPS or UPS or FedEx or FedEx Ground or you know DHL or Yellow Freight? I don't care. I don't care how, or Amazon Courier. I don't care how it got delivered to me. As long as it the gets fact, there. Yeah, that yeah. the fact that that blessing. I received that blessing from Amazon. You know, it it still it it's you know. I, I received it. What do I care how it was delivered? And so when somebody narrowly avoids death or a, you know, a, you know, a situation, uh, shoot, there's, there's thousands of these stories on nine 11 where people showed up late for work or, you know, Hey, I met my high school buddy. We went out drinking. We went to a game and, I stayed up late like I'd never stayed up late before and woke up the next morning. I know it's like I'd overslept. It's never happened to me before. And I got into work and the first tower had already, already been hit. Well, like, you know, and, Seth you know, MacFarlane or, missed his flight that day. And that was one of the, exactly. that was one of the planes that smashed into the world trade center. Yeah. So, yeah. and it's like a lot of people go, well, you know, if God saved Seth MacFarlane, why couldn't he saved all of them? And it's like, well, okay, maybe, and I, I, want, I don't want to be crass or crude or disrespectful, but, but it's like some people, it's their turn to die. It's their turn, and it's okay, even though we have difficulty with that in this realm, it's, it's inevitable, we're all going to die, and when it's their time, it's their time. But some of them had family members that came down and said uh you need to get the stomach flu you need to get it now you know <laughs> and and uh and so or you know it's like didn't feel well that morning that morning or i just kept hitting the snooze button and that's that's something that i'm very very aware of is that uh um the influence of the spiritual world in our lives. That's kind of like the ans yes. ancestors and all this. Yeah. I, I will say this. When I was outside of my body, I went and visited my wife and told her that something was wrong. And she was standing in the kitchen at the sink and as soon as I entered the room, she looked up from the sink and I talked, I spoke to her spirit and I said things and her spirit, I mean, we had a conversation, but her in her, and this is part of the things that happen on the spiritual side are not experienced in the physical realm. It's not something that they actually experience because in her, in reality, she was standing there at the sink and all she remembered was like, ah, th something's happened. Something's happened to Jules. Oh my gosh. And she, she was like, she was aware that something had just happened to me, but that it was going to be okay. And, and so anyway, I was talking to her spirit and then talking to her after that, um, she said, yeah, I was standing there at the sink and I just remembered thinking and 
constantly find out something's wrong. And, um, and whatever it was, I was going to be okay. So that when the phone call came, she was not surprised by it. She just knew, okay, I need to get to the hospital, you know? And so I was able to talk to her spirit and her spirit was able to talk to me. And yet her consciousness was never aware of that conversation. All it could, all, all it could convey was an emotion um, to her that uh, something's happened and that, that not to, not to worry or freak out because she said she didn't, she just felt like something had happened and that uh, she'll, you know, Somebody's going to, you know, she'll find out further information. She was kind of at peace about it. Um, at least until she got the phone call. Um, but Boom. anyway, um, but I, I know and I, I did see people communicate, you know, uh, spirit beings communicating with the spirits that inhabit our bodies. And, and it's a two-way conversation. But in the physical world, we're completely oblivious to it. It's kind of like, it's kind of like in the Sim world, you know. It's like I, I remember as a kid playing Sim City, and I could have this character that I could run. And I, I know this is you know way old, and they've got much better game systems out there. But it's like I remember that I could play this game through this character inside of my PC, and I was totally in control of his life and everything that happened in that life. And it's like, if you kind of think of that character in that life, it's like that character has, if, if that were an entity, if that were a thing, it would have absolutely no concept of who I was controlling that character inside of that game. It has no concept of the things that I'm aware of as I'm navigating that character through its sim world. Yeah. This is the kind of like the simulation idea. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's, it's not, a, it's not a simulation. It is, it's, it's an abstraction is what it is. Our spirits are aware of so many things going on around us that they cannot even begin to tell us about, because again, that's kind of, that's behind the abstraction layer. It is, it's not that we are living in a simulation. No, I, I don't believe that we are. Um, but it, it's kind of like Plato in his cave, you know, watching the shadows on the cave in a similar vein to that. Uh, um, but if you, th th that, simil that character inside of that virtual world has no concept of me that's running him similarly we are living in this world and we have no concept really of the spirit that is animating our bodies and or the things that our spirit are is aware of when we are uh you know you know when we are in this this life our spirits are aware of so much more of what's going on. And I think that's why when we have these paranormal experiences, 
we're not bothered by them because at some internal level, this is normal. Right. It's a normal function of the universe. Yeah. Well, it, it, in, in, in that abstracted reality that is the spirit world, our spirit, our internal spirit is aware of it. It's like, I think that, you know, just like I remember getting so frustrated at my stupid sim character and pounding the keyboard and just, you know, finally giving up. <laughs> um, and it's like, you know, when I see people that have chronic anxiety, it's like, I wonder if that's their spirit going, what the hell are you doing? You know, or just screaming at them, you know, because they're not doing the right thing or they're off on the wrong path or, you know, they've missed an opportunity that they should have, you know, it's like, it's like their spirit is just screaming at them. And it's like the physical body just responds to it. Like, what, what did I do wrong? It's like, and it just kind of reacts with just this massive anxiety attack because it's like, no, you dummy, you're on the wrong path or, you know, who knows? I mean, but it, it seems like I've kind of noticed those types of things. And again, this is not universal. I mean, it's like, you know, um, you know, aspirin can help you with a headache only if your headache is being caused by something that aspirin can help. You know what I mean? If, if, if you're at, if your headache is caused by a brain tumor, aspirin's going to do nothing for you, you know, or, you know, whatever the case may be. But, you know, it, I'm not saying that, that, that every case of anxiety is caused by that type of scenario. I'm just saying that there is a good number of them that to me, or to my understanding that, you know, they, they are caused by that. And it's like, when I see these things, I kind of instantly kind of uh, become aware of the things that are taking place behind the scenes to bring that into the physical existence. Well, Jules, I think this has been, this has been extremely interesting. Um, I want to thank you for coming on and talking about your, about this. And maybe sometime we can get you back on. Jules, to talk about your, if you've ever feel comfortable about talking your near, near death experiences, we can have you on talking about that. But I, I definitely want to thank you for, for coming on the show and, and sharing your ideas. I mean, this has been very, very extremely enlightening. Absolutely. I've, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, certainly my pleasure. Like I said, I, I kind of wanted to share these things because it's like now that I've kind of become aware of this podcast and I'm kind of learning about these things, I don't want to, I don't want to be influenced or say that, that, uh, oh yeah, he got those ideas from wherever. And it's like, no, that's not the case. A lot of people come up with these understandings because it just so happens that they're true. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That's how things really work. And I think it's that like you've had the, the personal experiences to validate the, these these ideas that you have as well yeah absolutely yeah and oh and jacques valet and that that whole thing of the spiritual nature of technology absolutely that's there's you know everything must be created spiritual spiritually before it's created temporarily and once it's created spiritually multiple people can hit you know 
can get the same idea at the same time that are on the same frequency. And that's where you see two people inventing the television at the same time on different parts of the world. Yes. And it's because there's components that are created. It's like they figure things out and then we figure things out. And same thing with nuclear weapons. They figure it out and then that knowledge gets conveyed to us. And that, that explains why, why, um, why, uh, uh, oh, um, gosh, the inventor of alternating current, I mean, uh, 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 Tesla. Yes. Nikola Tesla. Thank you. I don't know why I couldn't remember that, but Nikola Tesla, he had these quote unquote hallucinations where he was shown an AC generator and he asked, can I take it with me? And it's like, no, it's like, well, can I draw? And he draws it into the sand. It's like, he was given a vision. It's like, look, you need to you need to create this. And it was like it was not enough to just kind of, you know, to drip that information into the consciousness. It's like, no, we need this now, and he needs to have this information. We're going to open up a vision to him, and he's he might he might seem nuts, but who cares? He's going to do great things, and he did. Um, and so. I, I mean, there's there's truth to what Jacques Vallée has said, and and again, I know very very little about him. I mean, I learned the guy's name just a few days ago, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, he's totally. I, I everything that I hear, it's like he's spot on. There's something to that, the, you know, the spiritual creation, this 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 third entity or the spiritual origin of these things. It absolutely is. And, uh, you know, with when it comes to space aliens and their ability to transition from the spirit world into the physical world, it's like they have that ability, and it's a, an ability that we do not have, but they have obtained that ability because of their level of intelligence. And they, you know, it seems like that they, you know, they keep cloning themselves, but they don't have, they don't have a spirit body you know they don't have a soul they you know that's why their eyes are dark and is that um, why they need us right well well it seems like it's like they want to have a soul but they they it's kind of like they figured out how to manipulate and and control these you know, this matter so they could bring their own materials into existence. And it seems like they are able to command those elements and it's, you know, and what they create is a biological mechanism that if you were to do a DNA test on the metal or whatever the, you know, whatever this stuff is, you know, that, that, uh, is retrieved from, you know, flying saucer crashed, I'm sure that there will be a DNA signature to these things. Because that's how every biological thing is created, is through the DNA encoding. But they have the ability to create these biological machines that are an, an extension of them in that they can control it with thought and it works and operates at that spiritually connected level. But they've kind of figured out, you know, it seems like there was an intelligence that was quite smart that figured out how to command the elements and bring things together and to create. But they skipped that step of creating a spirit body and then giving it a physical body 
they just created physical bodies. They just jumped straight to that level, it seems. Um, but they have the ability to come into this dimension where they experience the passage of time. And then they can depart this dimension and go back into the non-material world where they can travel through space and time, it seems. But, I mean, there's just, it's like all, all of these components, they, they can, all these puzzle pieces can fit together. And it's like, yes, they do fit together because there is a truth to it. And like I said, some, you know, a lot of that truth might be irrelevant, but it doesn't make it any less true. Well, Jules, this has been extremely fascinating. This has been this has been a fascinating discussion. We went a little longer than I think we were going to, but uh, yeah. I really appreciate you coming on and doing it. Um, thank you so much. Um, yes, thank you. I think we we may do this again for to have a little little right, little more of a far ranging discussion. Not that this wasn't far ranging, but uh, yeah. Well, yeah. If you'd I like to do it, let me know. All over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be happy to. Thank you. That's how it goes. Yeah. Well, excellent. Um, we're gonna we're gonna close this out. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening to this uh, extra special bonus episode of Conspiracy Normal, and we'll be back with the main show at some point. We'll talk to you later. Peace out. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.